Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, 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 welcome to this episode of I Date Money. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, and today we have the honor and privilege of spending time with Juanita Gaynor. She is a thriving entrepreneur, best-selling author, success mindset coach, and empowerment speaker. What else could you possibly want in front of you today while you're listening to this podcast, right? I love uh, what you're doing, Juanita. What's, what book did you write? Um... I have um, done um, I Am Who God Says I Am was a part of an anthology um, about four or five years ago talking about trauma and how we've overcome it. Um, my colleague and myself, we just did a devotional for Mother's Day, which was a prayer devotional, um, a 30-day prayer devotional. And my um, semi-autobiography will be out to the end of this month. Um, and it's just, it goes through my life. It goes through the traumas and, you know, the things that I've gone through and how I've, you know, worked it through. Wow. That's beautiful. I love that. I'll have to, we'll have to put those, uh, links to the books in the show notes. So our listeners can access those and beautiful, beautiful topics. I love that. And devotions are always so important. It just centers us, you know, when we, especially in the, in the craziness of the world and all the things that go on we just need that that calming scripture and that time to reflect and refine so when you thought about um getting into your business what drove you into the um success mind coach that you are today um what i learned is um like my in my event management company, it's will be 30 years old next year. But wow. as I went through my healing process, I realized it was a, what I called a trauma business. Mm -hmm. um, it was created in the height of my trauma because I needed to be able to control something. So as I started my healing process in the journey, I started noticing that some of the clients that I had as I was helping them with their trauma were having a hard time asking for what they were worth and then being okay with the level of success that they had, not you know wanting to reach any higher. And so as I begin to delve into why that was happening, I realized I used to have those same issues. Mm -hmm. And so that once we help them identify what that initial trauma is, then we can decide, you know, how do we want to move forward? Is the business that you have the business you want to be in? Or do we need to completely rebrand you? Or, you know, is it something completely altogether that you just need to step back from and really decide what your purpose is? And that is um, why I do it, because I 
had that trauma. I had someone break me to the point where I viewed success as something that was bad. So I kind of stayed below my means and with money, just even how I dealt with that, um, I would just make sure I had none left so that they couldn't take it because that, you know, in my trauma, my money was never my own. Mm -hmm. You made it, it was for someone else. So my thing is, is like, if I don't have it, when I tell you I don't have it, I really don't have it, but it was more detrimental to me. So that's helping them walk through what those are so that you can ask for what you're worth and reach the stars and beyond. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, clients will, my clients will come to me when I, we first start working together and, you know, we'll be on the call, the sales call. And they're like, well, I don't have any money blockers. Like, well, now I know you do (laughs) because we all have money block as a wealth activator. I have tons of money blockers. I I was just sharing in my, my monthly membership group, we were doing an exercise and I was like, okay, I racked up $100,000 worth of debt because of a behavior pattern that I had based on trauma. I had the money, but I couldn't spend the money. I Somewhere along the line, someone told me, no, you cannot touch your savings. You cannot use that money. Therefore, you know, I had put this, you know, gap in there saying, well, I can't touch this money. So I'm going to rack up this debt because mm-hmm. I don't want to save for this thing. And when I was reflecting on that, like it's been so long since I had, you know, went through that healing process, there's still layers to peel back. You know, I mean, we, we think we never arrive. Right. And it's so important to recognize that. So the work that you're doing is so super important. When you think back to childhood, we develop our stories, like finances aren't taught, they're caught. We observe our family members, our parents, especially, and how they treat money. What's your earliest childhood memory around money? Um, when it comes to my mom, which is a lot of censored, it was always um, always hustling, trying to get it, never really having it. Um, my parents were not together, but when I was with my dad, it was always, it was abundant, but it was abundant in a different type of way. Um, my dad was some, and what he's taught me, it's like, he was over quality versus quantity. Mm-hmm. And so it was the things we had lasted longer. You know, we wasn't, he wasn't out spending money like that because he bought the quality to begin with. Whereas with mom, it was quick, trying to get it quick, quick money, whatever it's spending it on this, spending it on that. It was like, we never, it was like water. So mm-hmm. it was just like, you get it. And you give it away. And because of that trauma, because my mother was a, um, an addict, you you learned really quickly not to keep money close because mm-hmm. it was going to get taken. So with mom, it's like you make sure you had no money and it was around. So there was like you never made more than what you needed to have for that day. You know, okay. whatever you needed to get your little snacks or school, whatever, that's all you had. And then you had to hustle to get some more the next day. And that was the culture. It was like, it was never, it's okay to save. It's okay to have some put away. It's, you got to make sure it's never around so that it doesn't get taken from you. Wow. Yeah. That's a really challenging way to grow up because the sense of security just isn't there. And Mm -hmm. it's almost like you're walking in fear. Like I can sense the fear of this little girl, little Juanita, like tiptoeing and thinking, oh, okay, I have to protect this and I have to get rid of it quickly. And because if not, it's going to be gone, you yep. know, and having that fear and that worry, how is that shaped your relationship with money today? 
um, in my early, you know, phases, what what would happen was I could spend money, and I'm I'm a I am a spender to this day, but I would spend money like as soon as I get it, like it just it didn't matter what it was. Now I would pay my bills. I'm gonna be honest. I was a good bill payer. Like I would take care of bills or whatever. But my philosophy was it's like I was paying for every, it. Did, there was no rhyme or reason. It was I would the money I had it. It didn't matter. Everything was done. I was gonna get what I want when I wanted how I wanted. If it wasn't quality, if I bought it last week and it broke, I was gonna go ahead and get another one. You know, my mindset was oh well, I'll get some more money. I'll just get another one. So it was always just running through it, um, never really having it, especially up to my early, you know, 20s. And then the shift happened where it was like, okay, I'm bored with this. <laughs> I'm getting tired of this, you know. And when um the point of time when I was modeling and realizing that, well, I need the stuff for the next job, or I need great shoes, or, you know, and not to say I have, you know, I wear a size 10. So getting quality shoes meant something. So it was like, okay, I want to be able to spend my money, but I need to spend it on quality. And that's when my dad's ear came into play. Buy it once and you have it, you know, for a lifetime. Still hadn't got down the savings, you know, era, because again, I was still supporting other family members and things like that. So it wasn't probably until like right after my divorce that I realized saving was key. Because mm -hmm. at that point I had no savings, you know, the, the divorce was horrific. And that happens with a lot of women, like mm -hmm. the di divorce is horrific. You realize that your finances aren't what it is, or something's happened behind your back and you find out after, you know, during the divorce. And so you have debt to pay. I, I was paying IRS debt that my husband racked up for like 10 years after our divorce. Oh, wow. Yes. And that's no fun. And so I, I decided at that point to identify what the issue was so that I could move forward and not only um, be a good steward of my money, but to be able to save, get out of the debt and still spend money like I like to spend it. I just mm -hmm. spend it wiser now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just, yeah. My money multiplier system is all about that, you know, saving, spending, and like giving, right. Being yes. able to create that, um, supporting you know your church and other entities that you you know that are doing good that are helping others so the more money we have the more we can bless others which is amazing but then also enjoying for ourselves right you know planning for that retirement i love the money buckets because you can create a bucket for whatever you want you can have as many buckets as you want and like average person has around 10 some people have 20 but creating that and then knowing like, yeah, this is for this. This is what I get to spend it on. And it makes, it changes the way we, our perspective on money and how we see it and what its purpose is. Yeah. You know, it's like the parable of the three talents when we're like the steward that tripled his money. Yeah. That's who we want to be like, because we're truly using our gifts and talents so that we can make an impact. We can make a difference. And, you know, they say money in the hand of good people does good things. Yes, and yes, the yes. more money you get, the more you can bless others and do great things and enjoy it too. Because you're meant to enjoy it. You're not meant to, you know, just give it all away. You know, and there's all this mentality of uh, all or nothing, right? There's no balance yeah, in society right. and having that balance. So when you um, moved into, have you always been an entrepreneur? You, you said you've been doing this for a while. Were you ever a nine to fiver? Um, I, and I do a nine to five. Okay. I, I love my I love my nine to fives. Um, and this is what I tell my um entrepreneurs. 
a lot of the times your nine to fives is going to handle your basic needs. It's going to handle your housing. It's going to handle insurance, especially medical insurance. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to handle those things so that you can really focus on building your business. Um, for me, I'm also an accountant by trade. So of course I work for the state as an accountant. So it, I have my own business, but it's what I do. It's no matter what somebody's going to need an accountant, but I utilize that mainly medical insurance mm -hmm. because me paying for it as somebody who has, you know, pre-existing conditions that I was born with paying out of pocket mm -hmm. is cost prohibitive. Right. So what I've done is I've utilized working, you know, nine to five. Um, it's still within the wheelhouse of what I do. It still offers me the flexibility to run my coaching business and my other businesses um, and also put away where I know that once I really want to completely break away from it. I have a nice pot where I know that's where medical will, will reside yeah. um, and only medical. So I'm like stacking away. I got about a few more years before mm -hmm. I just say, you know, quit to nine to five. So I see a nine to five as a great supplement for those who are looking to not only build their wealth, but also to supplement so that they can really focus on their business and not, you know, worry if they can, if the, you know, if the invoice isn't paid. Mm-hmm you know, and so exactly. many business owners do that. They're like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur tomorrow. And then they're like, oh my God, the person is, you know, 15 days late paying an invoice. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it happens all the time. Yeah. Yes. And, and having, I did nine to five. I mean, I retired from the social security administration after a 30 year career. And I had, you know, throughout my career, I had done three or four jobs at the same time. I love having multiple income streams coming in and yeah. You know, I was uh, a treasurer for three not-for-profit agency, um, agencies and, you know, managing other people's money is always fun, right? You know, because oh, yeah. you could, you know, see it grow and all of that. And a lot of times when um, my clients come to me, they're like, their business money is so chaotic and their personal finances, they're doing okay. And I'm like, well, why don't you, know, treat your business expenses the way you treat your personal expenses and get it up to par so your balance. And they're like, they weren't taking a paycheck. And they come to me and all they're doing is taking all of their business income and putting it right back into the business. And I'm like, it it it, it hurts my chest. Just, you yeah. know? <laughs> Every time I, I picture my clients, I'm like, no, stop, take a profit, manage your money. Yeah. So we always talk about every dollar has a job. Yeah. So when you set up your business portfolio, what model did you use? Um, what I did was, I definitely, definitely um, did it where I take salaries from all of my jobs. Mm -hmm. um, I, even if it's a small salary, or whatever um, one, it allows me to open it up for business funding. It allows me to, you know, make sure, you know, just to kind of make sure that things are in place. Cause you know, as I see it, um, if you structure it that way, I have two businesses that are LLCs and two that are um, S corps. Um, and that's a whole nother conversation of deciding what it is. And I, you know, work with um, clients that way as well, or deciding which one it is. Mm -hmm. um, I think my, my event management company is the escort and that's because of the liability of everything. It was, it just made better sense. Now my accounting firm is an LLC because legally it can't be an escort because of things like Enron, all of those things that's happened with, you know, accounting firms and things like that. So there's certain legalities that has to go around that. 
-hmm. but um, it was always a structure of separate business accounts, Mm -hmm. um, paying myself. Um, I have a couple um, staff that I pay um, understanding don't get into the 1099 situation because that you, you know, IRS won't be friends if not. And, and just making sure that everything is separated, mm-hmm. like not commingling at all. Right. Keeping each business separate. So what made you decide? So like with, with an LLC, I mean, they change the rules on these things all the time. I love the the tax laws and the structures and stuff. So the LLC in itself is the entity you can apply. It used to be that if you had a brick and mortar, they recommended an LLC. If not, it could just do a DBA or what have you, just file self-employment. Um, but now they recommend an LLC to protect your assets, you know, in case somebody sues you or what have you, but it automatically defaults to self-employment um, filing status. And then oh, you yeah. elect yeah. to, you know, you can elect to change the, change that to either an S or a C corporation. And I don't, I believe a lot of people don't realize that, you know, they just pay somebody and it doesn't cost that much money to set up an LLC, um, but they spend all this money establishing an LLC. So in your experience and you, since you have different entities, what made you decide to do strictly LLC defaulting as self-employment versus um, the S corporation? Okay. No, both my LLCs are as um, Texas S corps. Um, I know, of course, when you apply for it in the system, it automatically defaults for it. And I immediately go ahead and fill out the form and mm-hmm. send it on over to the IRS so that, we can go ahead and just be, you know, and they do recommend, they say, don't do it before you're making 25 to $50,000. I suggest doing it out the gate. So Mm -hmm. go ahead and start the process because it's so much harder to shift mindsets when you've made that money. Now you got to kind of back, you know, backtrack Mm -hmm. and do some things. I just went ahead and elected to do it. Um, so therefore I started, you know, taking a salary, making sure, you know, everything, even though it says LLC, I literally treat the company like it's a S corp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And having that structure for tax purposes is so important because it does save you money um, with uncle Sam, which is what everybody wants to do anyways. Yes. Um, but it, it disciplines, I think it disciplines um, entrepreneurs to take a salary because they're forced to do it. Yeah. So, you know, ha- having that difference and knowing the right time, it's so important just to look at your business. I'm a profit first professional. And, you know, one of the things I like to look at is, well, where are you at in your business and what's your growth rate? And, you know, what's your end goal? And like, let's reverse engineer it and figure it out from there because we can structure our LLC, you know, as the holding company to do this and that, especially when you have multiple businesses, like I'm an independent insurance broker and I'm a wealth activator. So those two businesses fall under my LLC and, you know, you know, my t- accountant is always telling me, okay, well, you can do this, this, and this. And it's like, okay, this is what I'm going to do right now. Right. Um, but having that knowledge and knowing that the tax laws are always changing every, every year, it seems like something new is happening and you can take this right off or that right off, or this is how it's going to affect you. And it gets to be really complicated. And I always like to say accountants are wonderful. They love to show you the graphs and what you're doing with your money, but they don't help you multiply your money. <laughs> so what's your experience with that? Well, see, I'm an accountant. I know. So <laughs> it, it's just like, um, I, I didn't, for me, I did not understand that concept. Mm-hmm. However, when you go through the accounting track in schooling, mm-hmm. 
they don't give you that met they don't give you that skill set yeah so that's not a part of the skill set with me being an entrepreneur I knew that that was a skill set needed to have so that's additional education that is you know getting the certificates that's doing the research that's really talking to you know other CPAs and you know that's in the you know wealth set and the finance set because you know you have accounting and finance those are they're not the same. And I think a lot of people misunderstand that accounting Mm -hmm. and finance are two different things. Finance is where the money happens. Mm -hmm. Accounting is where making sure the money's supposed to be where it's supposed to be. So that is why you never will see most accountants. I'm like, you know, myself and a few others, you're never really going to see them with the multiplication of the money because their job is strictly to make sure the money is where it is. It's Mm -hmm. doing what it's supposed to do. And that everybody is on the up and up like that you and the IRS remain friends and that they love one another. That is the (laughs) primary job of the accountant. I love that. That, Thank you so much for that. I've had a few accountants on and you're the first to explain it that way. And it's such, such truth. Yep. Because, you know, that is when we think about even, even in the medical field, doctors, you know, like a lot of times I hear my, as a, as an insurance broker, I hear my clients complain, well, this doctor doesn't take care of it. And I'm like, I know the doctor is not a specialist. They can't help you with that specific issue related to your heart. Because when they went to school, this is what they studied. They didn't study specifically the heart. Same with nutrition. Like, oh, my doctor told me, you know, supplements don't matter. Your doctor has no idea about supplements. You need to go to a functional doctor or a nurse or a a health coach that understands what supplements to do for your body. Right. Like going to that level of expertise, because like you said, it's, it's additional education. And this is like the, you know, the framework, we're going to teach you how to be an accountant or a bookkeeper. I just watched uh, um, a documentary on uh, John D Rockefeller. And I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know he started off as a bookkeeper. And he yeah. was very meticulous and, uh, you know, he had all the numbers in order. And that's another thing like accounting, they, we accounts keep the numbers in order. Right. Yeah. And then they, I'm as a treasurer, I got to be an accountant and do the taxes. And I was like, this is crazy. Like keeping up with the tax laws and then doing all the, you know, QuickBooks and I got to be frenemies, <laughs> you know, you make a mistake in QuickBooks, forget it. You got to like spend, write a paragraph as to why that was an error. Yeah. But um, knowing that and seeing it, it's such an impact to see those, the, you know, when you're an accountant or even if you do it yourself, print out that graph, you print out that profit and loss statement and you look at it, you're like, oh, wow. You know, because you have the numbers in your head, but when you see it on paper, it's a totally different perspective. Yes. So, And, and that's working with people even... Um, well, some of my clients may not have businesses, but um, I work with some clients where I say, okay, we're going to create a profit and loss for your personal expenses. Even if we keep it in Excel, like you need to see what's coming into your house, what's going out of your house and what you're looking like each month. Like, what what are you doing? So yeah, you're absolutely right. Some people are visual. Mm-hmm. They have to see it. Yeah. yeah. And it's amazing when they do see it because it's like, oh, that's where all my money is. Oh, okay. That makes, that makes total sense. All right. I need to make some changes or, you know, uh, I I like what I'm doing. I'm going to keep continue doing this, right. You get to make that decision. So that's beautiful. I love that. So now that, um, you know, you grew up not really saving money, um, you know, you, you just took care of your needs. Do you tend to fall back to that pattern as an adult? Do you find yourself like 
hearing that st old story play in your head saying, oh, let's spend it all or nope, we're going to be disciplined. This is, you know, this is the adult me, not the younger me. Um, I have that in moderation. So what I do now is sometimes I indulge that, you know, little girl, but what I do now is like, okay, what is your absolute needs? What are the things that need to be done and make sure that that's taken care of? Um, so you, you, of course you have your household stuff taken care of and things like that. If it's the business, you got to pay, you know, employees, all that good stuff. Now, once I've gone through that, what are the things that you're doing so that you can have a life after you decide you're going to retire and whatever? So that's retirement accounts, whether it's, you know, buying some stocks, I'll go through those processes and things like that. Okay. Where's your savings? So then after I've done all of that and I'm like, okay, you put savings away, you put all away, what do you have left? And then whatever I have left, I will take 50% of that invested and that the remainder of that I can do whatever I want to do with it mm, I love that that's a great system you know what is the most fun thing that you've done with your money um I am a foodie <laughs> and so um and I'm a coffee junkie so my fiance just bought me a brand new espresso maker um because mine's died and he up re-upped my coffee bar with all my syrups so now since I didn't have to buy those syrups I can go buy more other coffee syrups and some other stuff for it. So I tend to, you know, go for my nice cheeses, you know, things I like to do and like fruits. And I, that's where my money resides and, and um, makeup. Yeah, I love it. And makeup. Your makeup is beautiful. Thanks. Your face just pops with beautiful color that just complements everything. So thank I you. Like the, and those are great things. I, I love coffee too. We, we, I'm originally from Rochester, New York, and I don't know if you ever heard of Finger Lakes um, coffee. So mm -hmm. we, we have it shipped here because I'm in Florida now and we had total nuts is what we um, brewed this morning. I tell you, oh boy, it was so good. I have a, a latte maker because I love lattes. So there you go. Um, it is, it's a special treat to have that specialty coffee. It's, it makes you feel all fancy. <laughs> But then too, what I, I think what the, the one thing the pandemic did for me, because I, I love my Starbucks. I used to be a Starbucks daily, mm -hmm. but what the pandemic did was I had to start making it at home. So now, I mean, I may go to Starbucks maybe once or twice a quarter because I can make it at home myself. Mm -hmm. So when I started, and the thing is, and I considered it a treat, but then when I really, you know, sat down and thought about it, I'm like, I was getting three of these a day. Oh, wow. You know, <laughs> and, and being an accountant and a nonprofit at the time, you know, that can add up. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, wow, like I am spending a whole lot. You know, this is maybe a hundred plus dollars per week yeah. in doing this. And so, um, and being able to have it yourself now and make it, it's more fulfilling. It tastes better too. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And just to have all the fancy equipment is it's it's fun. I one of my friends has a fancy espresso machine, and every time I go over there, I'm like, okay, let's do coffee, even if it's like ten o'clock at night. It's no, no, the caffeine won't keep me awake. I'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> and the taste is so good. It just it's a different type of brew. So I love yeah. that. So you talked about your businesses a little bit. What's your what's your main business? And you you help entrepreneurs, but tell us more about that. Okay. 
Um, what I've done is I, um, in the last year or so, I've gone back um, full-fledged into my coaching business. Um, I realized after the pandemic, it was necessary and needed. So um, working with women, um, entrepreneurs, and those in the corporate space really identify and deal with and break down that trauma that they have surrounding success and money. Because mm-hmm. um, many of them feel like, where do I go from here? What do I do? How, why, why can't I ask for the raise? Mm-hmm. Why do I not feel worthy enough to ask for the raise? Um, and so it's really walking them through, you know, what that trauma is. Now, for some people, I may have to work with a professional therapist because after their intake, it may be deeper than what I can handle at the moment. We may have to go another route. And so I will do that referral often and I work with the therapist. Like I'll say to the therapist, this is what I'm working on. I want to work on with them. And they can tell me, okay, they're not emotionally ready for that. Maybe try this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a, you know, a process to get them to a point where they've dealt with that real trauma. And then we can get to shifting the mindset and working with the life aspect of it and making the decision, well, is this the business for me? You know, did I create this because I was trying to hide from my trauma? Is this my real purpose? And then once we've identified that and 90% of the women that I work with, they completely do something else. Mm, completely. Um, I think I had one um, client whose business was a real six figure business doing really well. And she was just like, I don't love it because she had gone through that healing process. So it was like, we can do one or two things. We can, you know, you can see if there's a family member or, you know, one of your children that may want to run it and you can keep it in the family or we can sell it you know, look at the numbers. Now let's sell it, um, put the funds in a trust for, you know, the kids and you do go ahead and decide what, you know, the purpose that you want to have. That's Mm -hmm. what she did. And then, you know, and what she really wanted to do was bake. She loved to cook. Mm -hmm. And so that's what she's doing, you know? So, cause sometimes again, it's working to what your purpose is Mm -hmm. and she's baking and she charges her worth. She doesn't have a fear of saying, this is going to be $300. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it just it rolls so easily off now because she knows she is worth it. She's put the you know time and the education for it, and that she is not battling five year old whose fear of asking for you know money, mm-hmm. you know yeah. whose fear of being the brightest in the class and being bullied for doing so. Like mm-hmm. now, it's the confidence of I can ask for and get what I know I'm worth. And you don't want to pay it? That's okay. It has no reflection on me. I love that. I absolutely love that. That's so beautiful. And when ladies especially can come to that a realization that they need need to they get to charge what they're worth and knowing that their value just comes from inside and no one can dictate their prices because it's based on their gifts and talents and you know take it or leave it. Right. <laughs> and I know a lot of women struggle with that. So I'm so glad that you're in that space and there to support them. Well, thank you so much for sharing Juanita, your story. What's one tip that you can give the audience, something micro result that they can use in their life to help them multiply money? Right. Um, And I'm going to say what my father told me. You have to focus on the quality and not the quantity. Because if you focus on the quantity, you're going to spend more trying to achieve their original result. 
Oh, I love that. Thank you so much again. And we'll put all the links to your books and how to connect with you in the show notes. So for those of you listening, be sure to check, connect with Juanita, especially if you're in that space where you're like, I really don't know how much to charge. I, you know, worth, you know, we've all dealt with trauma in some form throughout our lives. And, you know, a lot of times we've gotten so good at burying it. We don't even know that it exists. So if you're someone telling yourself, oh, I don't have trauma or I don't have any money blockers, guess what? You do. (laughs) So remember to go get the help. You know, you don't, you're not alone in this. There is support. So connect um, with Juanita, check that out, check out her, her information, her books, a wealth of information right there alone. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it.